Well, good morning, everyone. We're really glad. Um, yeah, just a full morning already between uh, just having a time to, to just tell the Lord how good He is to ask for the Spirit, to welcome the Spirit in this place, and just to hear these stories. I, I feel like it's such a blessing to hear the stories of how God is working both within our community and without our community, outside of the walls of our homes and uh, this particular building. Um, but this morning, uh, Ben and I are really excited to lead us in a conversation about the Holy Spirit uh, and particularly around Pentecost. And so if you've been tracking with us over the last few weeks, you've, uh, you've heard and you've seen a lot about Pentecost within the weekly emails. Uh, some of you have, or I see, are now gandering at these sheets of paper in front of you. Uh, and just seeing some, just seeing a lot of a lot of conversation around Pentecost uh, for us. And Pentecost is the birthday of the church. Um, it's also known as the baptism of the church. It, it if if we if we follow Luke and Acts, we see this beautiful picture of Jesus being baptized. And right before that happens, John the Baptist makes this this comment. He says, "I baptize with water." but one who's going to come and baptize with fire in the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus is baptized. And then when we see Acts, 1, Acts 2, that's when the church is baptized with fire. And it just sets this body of cowardly people. It emboldens them and sends them out into the world. And so the churches, at the church's baptism, the Spirit ascends. It enlivens and it sets apart the church for this movement. Um, and we know it's interesting to think of Peter denying Jesus three times to little servant girls and then standing in front of thousands and proclaiming the good news of Jesus to people. That's not because he had a really good positive thinking plan. It's because the Spirit empowered him to do something spectacular. So we're going to begin with a question that we just would love for you to um, get in groups of three or four. And the question is this, what two words come to mind when you think of the Holy Spirit? And so we're going to give you about a minute and a half. So think about those two words and then just talk about that with two or three or four people around you. So go. All right. Yeah. If, uh, some of you, if you could kind of turn, your, hopefully you all had a chance to share. Well, we'd love to hear um, just to kind of help with the conversation. Like what are some things that you all heard in your groups Jesus said that he would not leave us as orphans, but he would send the Holy Spirit. And I think the mis there's a great misunderstanding with who the Holy Spirit is, but he is sent from Jesus and as a gift, as a blessing, and he's the one. He's the adopter. Um, we said, well, Jenny said guidance, and, um, and her and I concurred on mystery. Tongues and the flame of fire on top of our heads. Tongues, uh, teacher, and peace. Power and fire, yeah. You said um, ref like reflector of ourselves, kind of pointing out the things we need to focus on or change. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. As, as you think about the Holy Spirit, there a lot of us have... Um, a range of experiences, either a lack or a ton of experiences with it. And so, yeah, 
you guys are tracking the same direction Ben and I were tracking as we were sort of working through some of these ideas over the last, uh, last few weeks. Um, but our, our longing for and prayer for Renew is that we would be in a lifelong posture of trusting and following the Holy Spirit. And a lot of that also includes as we dialogue with one another. And so there's a way to talk that is really important, um, that we don't shame, that we don't throw someone under the bus, but that we really seek to understand where they're coming from and realizing that a lot of the things that we have come from a place of experience, but we also have a ton that we have to unpack within Scripture. And so um, Ben and I both have stories, kind of our journey with what it means uh, in regards to the Holy Spirit. So Ben, how about you share a bit of your story with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so I, the church I grew up in, every Sunday we confess the Apostles' Creed. And in the Apostles' Creed it says, we believe in the Holy Spirit. That was the extent of my church talking about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we believe in the Holy Spirit, we'll just leave it at that, all right? Um, and so I think the kind of the implicit message in all of that is like, where you have some hesitance. We're not sure if we can trust the Holy Spirit. Um, there's apprehension and even some skepticism. And, and I, I can re remember some conversations about uh, churches who are more Pentecostal, and there's great skepticism about those churches. And so it kind of gave me this image of like, all right, like we believe in the Holy Spirit, but like anything that seems kind of supernatural, like that's not really the Holy Spirit, that's just something else. Like, And so, yeah, I think I kind of, I didn't really fully understand what to make of the Holy Spirit as I was growing up. Um, but then I read stories in Acts, I'm like, well, he did it then. <laughs> like, is it that crazy? Um, but yeah, so some hesitance, some apprehension, skepticism, but kind of my own, as I continue to grow, like I can remember um, being in with groups of people and just feeling like this stirring in my stomach like you're supposed to share something and this is what you're supposed to share and I, It's like well, I, I don't have any way of explaining that other than it must be the Holy Spirit and so I, I had Yeah, just experiences of those kind of subtle moves or just promptings of like it's time to share something like you need to you need to testify uh, about what God's been up to in your own life. You need to share this word with this person. So some just kind of really more subtle things. Um, and as I've kind of, yeah, entered into ministry, I've really seen the Holy Spirit show up a lot as I'm like preparing, um, whether it's, yeah, just studying scripture, preparing to teach. Um, that's like, I enjoy that, but it's kind of safe in some ways. Like, yeah, the Holy Spirit speaking to me through scripture and I say amen to that, like it's awesome, but it's also kind of safe. So that I think there's still within me some of that skepticism, if I'm honest. Uh, but yeah, I think over the last few months, especially, I've just been like, God, I, I want to grow in this. Like I want to see who the Holy Spirit is. And I want to I see the Holy Spirit come alive in my own life, in the life of a Renew, uh, in the life of people around me. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my... Uh, experience. How about you, Doug? Yeah, um, my my experience was a little different. As as a youngster, we went. We were part of a, a full. Uh, f they called it a full gospel church, 
which was a, a charismatic church. And so like as a young child, uh, I have these these memories of some of the elders like laying hands on people and praying for them and people being healed. And, you know, my mom and dad, some words that they would use is like, oh, did you hear the word that the Lord gave, you know, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so? So it was sort of like baked in me at a young age. There was this you know, like God was kind of wild and not very tame, which was really great. And then we transitioned into churches where God was really tame, uh, and it was kind of like this pretty big contrast uh, throughout the years. But for me, my my big experience with the Spirit really came from um, uh, any of you have honorary uncles, like you know, a, a, a dad, you know, maybe like someone's really good friend, and they call him Uncle So and So, like I. My Uncle Peter um, was a good friend of my dad's, one of the first Christian men that he met. And he was, he was a guy that um, at a young age I noticed him, and there's something so winsome about him. Uh, when, when people would pray, he was engaged. Like I would fall asleep or kind of move into different directions in my head, but he would always say things like, Amen and Yes, Lord. And he was just really dialed in. And he was one of the first like Holy Spirit people that I knew. Uh, and really respected just a ton. Um, I remember uh, he, there was a there was a time when when my parents had a, a real just difficult season where they lost really good friends in a car accident. And I remember it was the first time I ever saw my dad cry. And um, my dad was just weeping, and it came really unexpectedly. And he was upstairs in the attic. And um, the next morning, he just his whole countenance was different. I said, Dad, like you know, he goes. You know, he sits me and my brother down, and we must have been in first, second grade. You know, we were young. He said, you know, guys, God is good. He said, I was so just broken, and the Lord led me to this particular verse in James. You know, this idea of, um, it's like James 1 through 3, and he said, and then your Uncle Peter called me this morning, and he says, you know, Doug, um, this is going to sound weird. He said, I shouldn't do this. My kids are a mess. He had six daughters. My kids are a mess. My wife's a mess. We're in a ton of trouble. We're late for church, but I felt like I had to call you and tell you to look at James 1 through 3. I don't know why, but that's what I want you to do. And I just remember like eyes wide open listening to the story with my dad like, oh my gosh, this is the like coolest thing. And just how much confidence that gave my dad, he, he, uh, my uncle Peter baptized me, uh, bec- and it was funny because I was part of great churches, but there was just something about his life. Like, he lived life in this way where he was just always expectant for God to show up and do something miraculous and crazy. And uh, a lot of times it did. I mean, I did, there's just stories upon stories of the way that he lived his life. So um, I, I uh, took the non-traditional education route, another sort of part of my story with the Spirit, um, I didn't apply myself very well in community college uh, and, and just, yeah, flunked out four times uh, in two years, which is hard to do. It is actually hard to do. Um, but uh, Jesus got a hold of my life when I was about 20 years old, 19, 20, and I applied to all the Bible colleges in the area, and none of them would take me except for a Pentecostal Bible college. They were like, you're just the guy we're looking for. They brought me right in, and uh, I was super blessed um, to just have these professors and to be in a space where people were just expectant that the Lord was still speaking and talking and moving and doing these really cool things. And so um, there was a lot of excitement. And that's what I would say I really learned was just this expectance and this excitement that God is at work. And um, it was really, really neat. I also learned new language. Like some of you may have heard the term baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And uh, I remember reading it for the first time in scripture and thinking, wow, this is awesome. I want that. 
Um, and then I ran into a guy at, at our church, the church that I was at, and he said, well, just keep asking. And I'm like, well, that just sounds weird. And because some of it is uh, maybe some of you have this experience too, but like maybe you had a sleepless night and you turned on late night television and you saw someone with purple hair, like throwing jackets on people and people falling. Like that's what I kind of associated a lot of that stuff with. And it, it freaked me out. Um, and so it was interesting kind of being in this place where I was also with these professors and these teachers and pastors and friends who were like, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something different and this idea of being empowered by the Spirit. Um, and so there was always kind of this like hesitant tension in that uh, for me um, in that place. But, but what I really noticed and what the Lord taught me in, in these experiences is God works in the miraculous and in the mundane. And so I'll never forget... Um, Kind of a simple faith story. I, we, uh, my friend Jason and I were reading the book of Acts together, and we read the story in Acts 3 into 4 about um, Peter and John going to the temple and then healing a dude. Uh, and they were like, going to the temple, and then there's this holy interruption, and they heal this guy, and then they go in and they get in trouble, and all this really cool stuff happens. And so my friend Jason and I, we were talking about it. We're driving to Denny's. I don't know if many of you remember a Denny, Denny's, but we were driving to get late night food, and um, there was this woman sitting outside of a 7-Eleven like normal, and we're driving, and all of a sudden I just like hear the Spirit say like, you need to go back, and you need to just tell this woman that she's loved. So like, you know, I pull my Jeep around, Jason's like, well, Denny's is that way. I'm like, this is going to sound really weird. I think the Spirit's telling us to go tell this woman that she's loved. So we pull in, I look at her, and I'm like, listen, this is really weird, um, but I just need to tell you that you're loved by God. And she just starts weeping. I'm like, this is the craziest thing that's ever happened in here. Like, she just goes through this whole story of just abuse and hardship. And, and Jason and I had this amazing time to just love and care and listen, to give her a ride home, and just to be present with this woman. And it was such a shaping experience. But I also have these other shaping experiences like Chrissy Balecki, who prays for her kids as she's folding their laundry. And so there's the miraculous and the mundane, and there's this beautiful tension between the two of how the Spirit prompts and moves. Um, and so a lot of this stuff brings up some questions, and Ben and I see the questions and the tensions um, that a lot of us wrestle with as we think about the Holy Spirit. And so, Ben, what are some of those tensions that you see that you have been wrestling with? Yeah, it was interesting hearing some of the words that people mentioned, and even like I feel like there's tension between peace and fire. Maybe there's not, but <laughs> it sounds like there is anyway. But And then, yeah, mystery, which I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but sounds like a polite way of saying weird. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and two of the things that, well, one thing that I think I've heard a lot and kind of experienced myself is, like, yeah, what do we make of healing and, like, the Holy Spirit healing people? And I... Yeah, I think a few months back of hearing a story from um, our partners in India about uh, this man who died. And people came back and said, well, these people have been telling us about Jesus and how he can resurrect, how he was resurrected. And they had to pray and they kept praying and they kept praying. And this guy comes back to life. And I'm like, whoa, like that's amazing. That's incredible. Um, amen, like, thank you, Jesus, awesome. Um, but then hearing other stories of people praying for years for healing and not seeing it come, um, at least not in the way that people may have expected. Uh, there's a, uh, 
I think he's still a professor out at Fuller Seminary. Um, he came to Palmer and, and shared a little bit of his story. And his name is Amos Young, and and he grew up in a Pentecostal church. And uh, his parents were were leaders, I think, pastors in that church. Um, and and he shared the story of how his brother was was born uh, with a disability, and. Uh, his family, his parents, his church prayed for healing for his brother, uh, fully expecting him to be fully healed and, and, and yeah, just like everybody else in the church, like able-bodied. Um, and so they prayed a long time for that, and it didn't happen, at least not in the way that they expected. But what Amos shares is that over time, he realized that the healing that was happening was, he, was healing in the church, and healing in his parents of how they viewed their son and how they viewed disability, not as like, oh, he's not healthy. He's actually a, a great gift to our church. And he's showing us things about Jesus and who God is because of the way he interacts with God and the way he interacts with the community. And so, yeah, and I think of Renew's story, and, and I wasn't here at the time, but... Um, hearing the story of honor and how the church gathered around and prayed for honor and what a gift she is to our community. And so I think, yeah, it's like, I don't know, there's tension there of like, what, what, what happens when we pray for healing and it doesn't come the way we expected? And I, I wrestle with that, but I, yeah, just trusting that God's at work in some way doing what God wants to do and the Holy Spirit is honoring those prayers uh, and, and doing something awesome and amazing. Um, yeah, a couple other stories. Uh, I heard a phrase this week that I think is really kind of helpful in terms of understanding the Holy Spirit. It's called naturally supernatural, that a lot of times the Spirit just kind of works in the midst of our everyday life. And I, like Michael's story, I felt like this morning was such a great example of that, like just being present and building a relationship with somebody. And then she calls him up and says, I know you're a person who knows God, so I need to talk to you. Like, that's the Holy Spirit working in a supernatural way, but it's so natural um, because of the way um, he was, yeah, just being attentive and, and building relationship and sharing who he was and, and what he believed. Um, Dave Balecki actually shared a story with me um, this past week, maybe it was last week, about um, he heard a story of a guy who was driving past uh, this place and and felt like the Holy Spirit was telling him to go do a handstand by a soda machine. Like, <laughs> what? And so he kind of like ignored it like, that's, that's not the Holy Spirit. Like, that's just crazy. Um, but then like through the course of the week, like kept hearing this, this message, like this prompting that he was supposed to do it. And finally at the end of the week, he goes and just, all right, I'm going to go do a handstand by the soda machine. And this guy comes up to him and says, what are you doing? And he says, well, I just, this whole week, I felt like the Lord has been telling me to come do a handstand by the soda machine. And the guy says, I prayed to God, or, or I told God earlier this week that if he was real, he would send somebody to do a handstand by the soda machine. And if he, and if he didn't, I would know he's not real and I would kill myself. So, <laughs> like, it's crazy. And yet, and Dave was kind of like, how do we process that? And like, and what do we do when we feel a prompting and, and we pass it off as like, well, I don't, I don't think that was really the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and I can think of times in my own life where I, I felt like, 
yeah, I think the Holy Spirit was actually trying to tell me something, but I wasn't obedient. And, and Dave was asking me about this too, like, kind of feel this guilt. And, and I don't know, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but, but what I sense is that those promptings are, God is not dependent on us. But God is inviting us to join what God is doing. And so I don't think we necessarily need to feel guilty if we miss the prompting. Maybe like a little sad that we missed out on something really cool, but not guilty because God's going to do what God wants to do. Uh, And I I mentioned this today. I don't know if it's true, but who knows? Maybe the Holy Spirit was prompting 20 other people to go do a handstand by this soda machine. And this is the only guy who said, yep, I'm going to do it. Um, so, yeah, I feel like trusting God's sovereignty and, and trusting God's goodness in the midst of that. Um, and, and when we miss it, like praying for more opportunities and, and the boldness to, to follow through on those opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's really good. It, it's like the one thing that I, I, I think about as it comes to the Holy Spirit is, um, there is only one time in the New Testament when the Holy Spirit comes on one individual person, and that's Jesus at his baptism. But as we read, as we track through Acts and other moments when the Holy Spirit comes, it's always to community, uh, which is really interesting that, you know, the Holy Spirit comes to a group of people gathered um, praying and waiting in Acts 2, and then later uh, the people are gathered praying and Holy Spirit comes and shakes up a room and then the people go out. But the Holy Spirit seems to speak within community. And so when there's, you know, like if, if Alice calls me and says, hey, I'm supposed to go do a handstand outside of the soda machine, uh, if she just keeps that in her, own, in her own head, I think sometimes we miss the opportunity as a community to help discern. And so in some ways, we're really blessed and set up well as a community that gathers in two spaces, one being house church, which is much more intimate, because then when we sense the Spirit prompting, part of that is to bounce that off other believers. Um, this idea that, 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 that the Spirit really does work within a community. That's why every time we, we you know, the, the main terms we hear within the scripture about what the church is, we hear two things. We hear either a household or a family or a body. And the spirit empowers the family and empowers the body. And so they need to be connected. And that's one of the things that I think is really important for us because there are times when I've been in certain communities where you hear like the word that ends all conversations, which is, well, the Lord told me. And then uh, that, that's like when I'm having an argument with someone and they say, you know, well, Here's, here's what you need to do. Sometimes that feels a little bit off-putting. And I know uh, there has, I mean, even just recently, there are people who have experienced abuse within the church because of that phrase, the Lord told me this about you. And like a, uh, I think the biblical way, and we even see it reflected in Scripture, is this phrase that says, I feel like I'm hearing from the Lord. I sense that the Lord is speaking this. What do you think? Just that posture alone, I think, really changes the way that we can actually have that conversation. Um, because what it does, it actually opens us up to say, okay, the buck doesn't stop with you. The buck stops with God. And this is what I'm sensing the Lord saying. And that's a really, I think that's a very different kind of posture that we're talking about. And another thing, just in terms of the experience, like my experience and our experience and some place where we can get into some trouble is, the Holy Spirit sometimes says no, and that's okay. 
it's okay when the Holy Spirit says no. One of my professors um, out at Fox, um, he was he was a Lutheran, uh, and and I'm not picking on Lutherans. We have a lot of former Lutherans at the table that I'm sitting with, but. Um, you know, he grew up in, he grew up sort of like confessing the belief in the spirit, but that was that was it. And his wife was diagnosed with with terminal brain cancer, and so they took her. You know, they had the whole church praying. He was like, "I'm reading all these, you know, all these authors that are talking about healing." And we, he's like, "We took her to one of these televangelist crusade things, and you know, a jacket fell on her. She fell down, and she's healed." And um, I showed up, and um, you know, we we thought that was it. And then two two three weeks later, she passed away. And he said, uh, processing that throughout all these years was so difficult because it felt like we asked and it didn't happen. But he said, then I remembered back to is that the Holy Spirit calling? <laughs> I think it actually is. Yeah. Our house church set alarms for 11.13 to pray Luke 11.13. God, give us the Holy Spirit. Why don't you pray that for us then? (laughs) Jesus, you told us to ask for the Holy Spirit. We ask for the Holy Spirit. God, send your spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, So... (laughs) But what what I really appreciated about the story... um, is he said he, he thought back to a conversation that he had with his wife a couple of days before she passed. And he was like, you know, the Lord said, he, you know, you, you were healed. Well, like, what happened? And she looked at him. She said, I have been healed. Our marriage has been healed. The relationship with my kids have been healed. So much has been healed, and I think we miss the fact. And, you know, his whole thing, and he's in tears. This is like 10 years ago that this whole thing happened. He's like, See, the Spirit does answer our prayers, but sometimes it's in a different way, and sometimes the healing is so much deeper than what we could have anticipated. Yeah, so just a lot of different stories and and experiences that we all have, and it's important, I think, we recognize, like, we all come with some some baggage, (laughs) and some of that baggage is good and and helps us, and some of that baggage is maybe not so good uh, and unhealthy, and some of it is maybe just... It is what it is. Uh, but I think hearing these stories, it just affirms to us that the Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit is, is a real person of the Holy Trinity who is at work trying to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. One heart with, in unity with the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit is present. Um, and that we, we want to be people who trust the goodness and love of God. And that's the goodness and love of God the Father, the goodness and love of Jesus, the goodness and love of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so that's, that's the posture that we're after. Um, and to see the ways in which the Holy Spirit can empower us uh, to be faithful um, in growing in the likeness of Christ, to point other people to Jesus, uh, and to, to bear God's image more fully, uh, to see the kingdom come uh, here and now. Uh, I think about the Holy Spirit is, we talk, sometimes we talk about the already but not yet kingdom of God. And the Holy Spirit is the already, like helps us live in the already in the midst of the not yet that's around us. Um, so, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so those are a lot of experiences, but we also, we want to return to the scriptures and how they uh, really inform us about who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit's up to. Um, so Doug, what have been some, and we'll touch on a few briefly, um, knowing that we could spend whole teachings just on each one of these passages, but just, yeah, what are a few passages that stick out to you? Yeah, um, I think very briefly, just looking at Acts uh, 1, uh, chapter 8, uh, 7 and 8, it, it, Jesus is about, he's, he's ascending into heaven, about to ascend into heaven, and he says to them, uh, well, the disciples say something really, really dumb. Uh, they make this comment, Lord, is, is this the time you're going to make the kingdom of Israel real again? Um, because they're missing the point once again. But anyways, that's here or there. Verse 8 says this, but you will receive power. Jesus says this to the disciples. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And this is where I want us to pay attention, where you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and so this idea of the Spirit coming on in power for a very particular reason to send and equip and empower the church to bear witness and to proclaim that Jesus is Lord. And so really the Acts is the story of the adventures of missing the point of when they do it really well and when they don't do it really well and when they do, do it really well. And, but it's the story of the Spirit's movement, function, action all throughout this. Um, I think another one, and this is one that uh, Alfredo um, uh, brought up, but the idea of, of Luke 4, uh, which is sort of a kickback to Isaiah 61, that the Spirit comes on Jesus uh, to to proclaim good news to the poor, to release the captives, and for blind people to see again. And that that's just not something that, oh, that was cute for Jesus' mission, but that's also part of our mission, that justice, rescue, and action is what the Spirit leads us, the trouble the Spirit gets us into so many times is related to that. Um, you know, I think of Psalm uh, 104.30, which the Spirit is all throughout the Scripture. It's not just in the New Testament, but it's this life-giving, this recreation and this renewing Holy Spirit that when the Spirit comes, it'll renew these pieces. Um, and so those are just some of the things but, you know, that, that, I'm, that have really shaped my thinking uh, as, as it pertains to the Holy Spirit, that His job and His function and what He does is He empowers us to bear witness to the good news, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to a broken world that needs to hear that good news. Yeah, I think uh, for a long time, Romans 8 has really kind of shaped me and how I see the Spirit, in particular, the 8.16. And this is kind of, I think, what Clyde was, was talking about a bit. It says, the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Uh, and so it I see the Holy Spirit as this kind of identity affirmer. Like, you belong to God. You are God's child. Uh, and so much of the, the world tries to... <laughs> I, I think it's interesting when Satan comes to tempt Jesus, he goes, if you're the son of God, what's your identity? Um, I think we're tempted to believe lies about our identity. Uh, and the Holy Spirit is this identity affirmer. No, you are a child of God. You can cry out to God, Abba, Father because you are God's child. Um, so that's been one that's just really stuck with me. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, Paul talks a lot about the gifts, and in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, and something that's just been striking me recently, the gifts, he talks about how important love is for these gifts. Um, and so 
you know, we've kind of talked about, like, the, the Holy Spirit is not f- for us, <laughs> but it's for us, and it's for all of us, and it's to build us up in love of God and love for others. Um, and the, I see that even in the fruit of the Spirit. These terms are very relational. They impact how we relate to other people. Um, but, yeah, in the last couple months, um, two that have really, yeah, just been shaping me. Uh, in John 7, 37 through 39, uh, Jesus says, If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. And then John makes a comment, when he was talking about living water, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. There's this beautiful image of living water. Uh, And a couple of chapters earlier, Jesus is talking about living water with this woman at the well. Um, And he says, "If, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for water and I would give you living water. Um, and he says, he describes this water, anyone who drinks this water will, anyone who drinks the water from this well will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And it's just, yeah, that's just a beautiful image, and I want that. Like, I want water, like, bubbling up and out of me to other people Uh, And I think the beauty of this story, and I think something we sometimes miss because we're too busy worried about this woman and and all of her husbands and what's that all about, is like she asked Jesus for the living water. She says, yes, give me that. And she gets it. She goes out to the town and is running around saying, you got to come see Jesus. He knows everything about me. I think he's the Messiah. And it flows up out of her into her neighbors, and, and they come and they believe. And then they come back to her, we believed you, but now we believe him because we got to meet him. And it's just this, yeah, I don't, it's, yeah, that story is shaped like, I want that. I want that. I want that for Renew. I want living water to be bubbling up in, in us and out of us to the community around us. Yeah, and, and again, uh, it's like we look at this whole thing and I feel like we could probably spend the next four years unpacking uh, a lot of what this is, but really the function and the purpose of the Holy Spirit that we see in Scripture is really geared around the gospel and to embolden, to build and to build the church up, to equip the church, to proclaim, which is to live out and embody and bear witness to the risen Christ. That the forgiveness of sins, that, people, that people's sins are forgiven, that they are loved by God, that they're part of a kingdom that has no end. And that all the religious things that we, are, that we think we have to do, they die because of what Jesus has done for us, in us, and invites us into that new life. And so the idea of what the Holy Spirit is up to in us and in other people is that he is the equipper, the giver, and the one that empowers us to live out this beautiful message. And one of the things that, um, that I, I think is just really helpful, you know, uh, when I'm around different people that talk about Holy Spirit stuff, sometimes there can be this idea of people are attracted to this roadside attraction at the expense of the real attraction at the end of the road. And so part of that is recognizing, like, I don't necessarily want to be this cool guy that does all these things. I want Jesus, 
Like, I want him to be made really big, not me be able to do all this stuff, but for God to use me in a way that's poured out, like the woman at the well. And so our final conversation uh, that we are excited to kind of jump into is this idea about Pentecost week of prayer, uh, which is the week that is standing ahead of us. And so, Ben, tell us just a bit about what it is uh, and how we hope that it will impact Renew. Yeah, so a few months ago, I kind of had this idea of just like, what if on Pentecost Sunday we gathered in upper room and just prayed and worshiped and 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 then I realized it was a house church Sunday, and so I was like, oh, that still works. Like, people can gather in the upper room of their house churches and, and just pray and worship and seek the Holy Spirit. And I mentioned this idea to Doug, and, and it just, it's kind of kept spiraling. So it started off as this really small idea, um, but as we shared it with the, the KM team on Wednesday and with the elders, like, there's just palpable excitement and saying, like, we need to really engage this because God is up to something in our midst. Uh, and so what if, yeah, we kick it off this Sunday, which is what we're doing, and then we have just a, not just a morning of prayer, but a week of prayer, uh, seeking the Holy Spirit. Um, and not that we're after some emotional or spiritual experience or event, like really hoping this, this is awesome. Like we're, we don't know what to expect, but we're trusting the Holy Spirit, and, and we want it to be shaping in us this posture of learning to trust the Holy Spirit and follow the Holy Spirit um, to, yeah, to be witnesses of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Yeah, and, and uh, our hope is that if we raise our attention to the Holy Spirit, uh, that if that attention grows, that we would grow. And we believe that the evidence of that would be both natural and supernatural, that we would love our neighbors, we would hear more opportunities and stories about the way we, nat- we supernaturally connect with folks naturally. Uh, we would see diversity and unity within this particular church, hilarious generosity. Um, people would be delivered from oppression and different things that are happening. We would notice greater kingdom risks. Uh, we would see people's, we would see the Spirit healing heart, soul, body, and mind, Um, that people would hear the good news of Jesus and enter into relationship with him on a regular basis, Uh, that house churches would see life outside of their four walls, Um, that dreams and visions would happen, that there'd be more handstands by soda machines, that people would be folding laundry and praying for their neighbors, and that people ultimately is this, that they would listen and obey. And lastly, that we would recognize that we are not the end users of the good news, of the gospel. The gospel wasn't given for us to sit in this room and to stay. But the Spirit sends us out not as powerless people, but he sends us out with power and boldness of the Spirit. And he equips us to do the work that he calls us to do. As the Father sends the Son, the Son sends the Spirit, and the Spirit sends us. Yeah, so you may have uh, seen these. Hopefully you have. Um, so this is what we're, we're doing this week. Um, the different ways we want to engage this week of Pentecost. Wondering and dreaming about what, what would happen if we as a community, as a church family, sought after the Holy Spirit, 
uh, and did that intentionally through prayer throughout this week. And so starting tomorrow, uh, we're going to start with, uh, I want you to set your alarm for every hour, 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 11 a.m., 12, and just pray on the hour. And the prayer we're after is Luke 10:2, and Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so we just love for all the people in Renew to do that on the hour. I just pray that God would send workers for the harvest. Thanks. So on Tuesday, um, we're inviting you to join uh, at, at Sydney in, in, my, in our, my home uh, in, in North Wales or at the Bryce's in Harleysville to spend some time praying together corporately. Um, you know, <clears throat> while God's love for us is a jealous love, there is no jealousy between the members of the Trinity, meaning that their affection for each other and their trust in each other is perfect. And so what we've tried to do in these Tuesday night prayer uh, times that many of you have participated in is just sit with the Lord and welcome the Holy Spirit to build our affection for Jesus. And that's, that's what he really wants to do. The Holy Spirit wants nothing more than for you to be passionately in love with Jesus and to obey him and to honor him in your life. And so these times have been really powerful for us. We don't have a heavy agenda. They're very, you know, um, light on structure. We just, we do some time of worship. There's a lot of silence. We spend some time, people pray as they feel led. There's no compunction to to do anything except just listen. It's like I, sometimes I think of it as a big ear, you know, pointed towards heaven together, and then a big heart trying to receive whatever he wants to do. So we just welcome you to either join us at, the, at our house in, in North Wales or at the Bryce's in Harleysville on Tuesday night. Yeah, and uh, Wednesday and Thursday, we are going to practice the art of prayer walking, or we're going to pray by walking uh, our neighborhoods. And so for those of you that have prayer walked before uh, or those of you that have never, there's just some really simple things. Uh, you walk around your neighborhood and uh, you pray with your eyes and with your feet. Um, sometimes it's just really good just to bless your, your neighbor's homes in the name of Jesus. Uh, it's just there's something about praying for the Lord to just show up in homes. Um, another thing that's really helpful when we prayer walk is to ask the Spirit uh, to, to tune our hearts and eyes and minds to the things that He wants us to see and hear. Uh, it's a great opportunity to listen and look. And one of the things, I have a good friend of mine, she said, there's no such thing as a coincidence on a prayer walk. So if you smell barbecue, that's not a coincidence. If you, you know, see kids playing, that's not a coincidence, but just to pray and to bless. And so the idea is that we bless our neighborhood. And so that's what we're doing Wednesday and Thursday, and we want to challenge you to both of those days to get outside and to walk your neighborhood. If you live on a very busy road, uh, you, could, you could maybe go to another neighborhood close by that you could walk and pray. Um, yeah, Friday, it says rest. That doesn't mean don't pray. It just means we don't have any real structured activity there. Uh, it's an opportunity to rest. And Cindy's going to tell us about Saturday and the 24 hours of prayer, and I'm going to pass out the sign-up sheet for an hour of that time while she's talking. This is really exciting. This isn't, as he mentioned earlier, like a, a religious activity we have to engage in. This is an amazing opportunity that we get to participate in. 24-hour prayer and fasting is 
such a powerful tool in our tool belt of spiritual development and really um, helping us kind of uh, quiet the noise around us to be able to experience God's presence and to hear his voice, which is what we are craving. So Ben has passed around this clipboard. There's a link there um, also um, online. And what our goal is, what our desire is, is for us to, for 24 hours, starting at 10 a.m. Uh, Saturday morning and going until 10 a.m. Uh, Sunday morning when we gather again, is to have um, a corporate community time of prayer where 24 hours of prayer and intercession are continually being offered up to God. And it's powerful if you do it on your own in your own life, but it's way powerful if we do it as a body together, all of us agreeing together. And so we want to see every hour um, more than one person can be praying and signed up for a time slot, but we really want to see just this 24 hours of prayer and intercession going up to the Lord. So some of you, now with the fasting piece, I realize that some of you are nursing moms, some of you are, are pregnant, some of you ha are on medication and have health issues, and maybe you can't fast, like do a water fast. Maybe you can consider doing a Daniel fast or Maybe you can consider fasting from social media. Like, what if you just didn't check Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram for a whole 24 hours? Like, what might happen in your life? Um, it's, not, it's not an obligation. It's a gift to be able to say, Lord, I'm going to take this time to be set apart so that I can hear you more clearly. So I'm just going to let go of this thing. And I'm going to try to pay attention. And it's an awesome thing. Like, I know that when we've experienced fasting or participated in fasting in the past, like, if you're hungry, if you have a hunger pain, it's like, oh, Lord, I want you to be my meat and my sustenance. Or, oh, Lord, I want you to be that sweet thing in my life that I crave. Or it's just, it's a tool to help you turn your attention to the Lord. Or if, or if you're, maybe you're fasting from social media, maybe every time you feel yourself wanting to push that button, oh, Lord, I want you to be the, the one whom my life revolves around. I want you to be the one who tells me who I am. I want you to be the one that is the most fascinating being in the universe. So those are just some ideas of how to fast and pray while you're fasting. And the ideas for how to pray during your hour, or you can sign up for more than one hour, by the way. You don't have to limit yourself. Um, but if that's a difficult thing to do, if the thought of sitting down and trying to read down a list of, of written down prayers is, is difficult, uh, get your favorite worship CD out and put it on and worship to it and invite the Lord into, you know, the, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So invite the Lord in to that time of worship and watch and see and hear what the Holy Spirit will be doing. He might all of a sudden be bringing you people to your mind to pray for that you hadn't thought about all week or all month or all year. Or just maybe he'll just catch his heart. Get in his presence and catch his heart. So there's, there's some ideas here for what you can do um, other than that. But we're excited. This is a, it's a creative time. You know, it's a creative time and it's a gift. This isn't a have to, this is a get to. And it's exciting. Because this, we're doing this together, and there is power in unity. And come with expectation on the Lord. He loves us. Trust me, his desire 
for us is greater than our desire for him. His hunger for us to know him is greater than our hunger to know him. And as you can see and hear this morning, we're hungry. We're hungry. We're hungry to know him. We're hungry to know him as he wants to be known. So this is a time for us to come together, even though we're going to be scattered in our different homes and not in one building for 24 hours. We are the body, and this is a time of unity, and, and come into it with expectation and wholeheartedness, and see that the Lord is good. This is a gift. Remember, it's not a have to, it's a get to. It is a gift. Yeah, next Sunday we'll be back here worshiping together uh, and sharing stories of, of how the Holy Spirit has shown up um, because we expect that the Holy Spirit will move uh, in our community uh, this week. Um, will you stand with me as, as Steve uh, comes up to lead us again in singing and worship? Uh, just want to, yeah, we want to start this week in prayer. Uh, so would you pray with me? Lord, we confess that many of us have baggage that keeps us from fully trusting and following the Holy Spirit. Our sins keep us from you, and they cause us to feel unworthy. Forgive us for our sins and affirm our identity as your beloved children, worthy because of you. We confess that we have fears of losing maybe our sense of control, Fears of enduring some sort of suffering. Fears of looking foolish or stupid. Fears of the unknown. But we want to trust you more fully because you are trustworthy. And we confess that we are quickly distracted by so many different things. Keep us attuned to you. Grab our attention. Help us to fix our eyes and ears, our hearts and our minds on you. We confess that some of us doubt whether you're real or whether you'll show up. Some of us enter this week with expectations that are non-existent or very low. God, would you exceed our expectations? Help our unbelief grow our faith that we might continually walk more fully with you. Holy Spirit, draw us deeper into love of God and love of other people. Gracious God, give us your spirit. Revive us. Give us a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. Good and loving Father, send forth your spirit to breathe new life in us and to renew the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Jesus, send us to be your witnesses through the power and love of the Holy Spirit. Amen.